Welcome to Middle Grade Mavens, where two author mums discuss their favourite middle grade books, provide recommendations and share insider industry tips for authors trying their hand at middle grade. Julianne Grasso is the author of the Frankie DuPont mystery series, cupcake enthusiast and part-time children's literacy wrangler. Pamela Eucherman is a writer, web designer and creative dance teacher who sometimes finds time for sleep. Both Julie and Pamela devour middle grade books, not only for research, but to share with their combined brood of four munchkins. So today we're diving into our first. And to start off, Pamela and I thought it might be a great idea to clarify exactly what middle grade is. So tell us, Danielle, what on earth is middle grade? Oh, Lordy. Uh, You know what? I'm just going to give the most general definition, which is it's literature for children aged between 8 and 12. And then beyond that, you can imagine there's, you have to be very considerate of language for that age group, et cetera. But beyond that, it's whatever the heck you want it to be. Oh, fabulous. Well, open slather, really. Oh, well, within reason. Within reason. Danielle, tell us. For author listeners, what kind of word count should we, we be aiming for in middle grade? Oh, look, I would say um, the the topmost word count is about 60,000 words working in the fantasy genre for middle grade. But I would sure. say for contemporary, I think a good place to start is between thirty to 40,000 words. Brilliant. Um, some contemporaries... Sloan's Counting by Sevens blow out to about 56,000 words. Yeah. Um, and then there are some really short contemporary novels like Jacqueline Woodson's Harbour Me, another US author who I've just read. That book, Harbour Me, is about 31,000 words. So very, very slim, but they yeah. pack a lot into those words. And yeah, that's what well, really that's... counts in middle grade is you've got to pack a lot into a very small amount, really. That's exactly right. And in um, speaking of packing it in, I mean, are there any themes that we shouldn't explore in middle grade? You know what? Once upon a time, I would have said um, sex. Definitely. Never talk about sex. Never, ever, ever. But there are ways of talking about sex without being smutty or direct. Sure. And what comes to mind instantly is this author who I absolutely adore in middle grade, a US author called Gary D. Schmidt. Um, And he released a book, I think, in 2016 called Orbiting Jupiter, which is um, about a young foster boy who comes into a family and the boy of the family who he joins learns that the 14-year-old foster boy is actually a father, um, oh, wow. that he fathered a child last year and he's never met this baby. And then the, and he decides he wants to go and see his daughter for the first time, whose, wow. whose name is Jupiter. So the book becomes about the two boys heading off to try and find his daughter Jupiter for the first time. And you know what? That is clearly about sex this is a child who was in the foster care system um he he fathered a child with another young girl in the foster care system it's there in a very roundabout fuzzy way and it's and it's that way for the protagonist of the story as well who is a bit younger than 14 it's there in this really fuzzy kind of oh he's a father but he's only 14 huh it's never directly talked about it's just there and it's this huge gasping moment of oh my gosh when you realize the implications of that but it yeah. is there, you know, it does exist. They just don't talk about it directly. It's all about the impact of that, the aftermath of, of that. So um, I would even say, you know, there's, there's books with, with drugs and alcohol in, in it as well, children who are dealing with alcoholic parents or yep, parents sure. who are um, 
who who are drug dependent. Uh, there are even books featuring children who are in prison with their parents. Oh um, wow! I can't remember the name of it. But there's one. Um, T. Cook, please stand up. Where it's his mother is in prison, and for a short time he's allowed to be in prison with her, where he has um, private study and tuition and everything in the prison system. And then he gets he gets to an age where he has to leave. He has to leave his mother behind. Sure. So you know, there's a lot that you can discuss in middle grade. It's just the way that you do it, and it always comes back to who are you writing for? You're writing sure. for you're writing for eight to twelve year olds, so they're not going to comprehend a lot of the, the bigger implications of like drugs and alcohol and all that sort of stuff for most kids it's you know dad won't get off the couch again yeah exactly dad dad's dad's three beers deep and it's only 10 a.m you know that's how they calculate it so i'd kind of say that nothing is off limits but it's the way that you deliver the message and it's the way that you tell the story is what matters exactly well um, you've given me a great deal of insight into some of the sort of gritty themes that i I guess I, I just personally can't touch on because I don't have any experience with it. Yeah. So I, I guess what we'd really like to know is if if we are touching on these gritty themes, where is the divide for junior fiction? Because junior fiction is so very close, but I mean, middle grade just sort of butts right up against it. And then yeah. all of a sudden we've got this sort of open slather, whereas junior fiction... I mean, I've got a seven-year-old. I really yeah. feel, I mean, those gritty themes would um, terrify her. Yeah, <laughs> precisely, precisely. And look, middle grade exists on a spectrum like anything else, the same as with young adult. You have lower end and upper end. Yeah. So you think about what's going to appeal to an eight-year-old may not necessarily appeal to a 12-year-old discussing certain themes. And, of course, some books are just going to have appeal for everyone. RJ Palacio's Wonder comes to mind where yeah. there is actually a teen character in there as well in, in the sister character. So it's almost edging into young adult literature, which is very, very, very hard to do. And I would say books like that are, are the rarity. They're not the way that you should be writing all literature for children. Um, yeah. So middle grade, you know, there are some topics that eight-year-olds will get and some that 12-year-olds will get, and then they may never mix. Um, It does come down to language. Again, with junior fiction and middle grade, there is going to be a divide in the language. And with middle grade especially, there should be a little bit more of aspirational writing. You know, you shouldn't be scared to put some big words in there and expect that kids are going to go off and look them up or be encouraged Mm -hmm. to look them up or have someone who's reading with them or who read the book before them that can say, hey, this is what this means. Um, or, you know, if they're reading on a Kindle, they can just highlight that word now and look it up in the dictionary. Super easy. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, but it comes down to language, especially, but if we're talking about the kind of higher ideals of what's the difference, I always think that in junior fiction, kids come back to their families, to their, to what they know, to the familiar. And in middle grade, they don't necessarily cut ties the way that they would in young adult literature, the way that they can do in young adult literature. But in middle grade, they start to realize, Hey, I'm a different independent person. I can have my own thoughts and feelings about things. Yeah. Whereas kids in junior fiction, I tend to feel they come back to the safety and the safe harbour of family and the familiar. And in middle grade, they get a little bit more cautious and curious about, well, what if I am different from my family? What if I am different from my friends? And they're not yep. as scared at the end of the book, but that could be the case. And then, you know, you, you leap into like young adult literature and often it's about feeling ostracised from all those communities and, and, and parts of you. Um, of so course. I would say that is the difference. <laughs> Um, I must mention Danielle is also my agent, so I feel like I'm just getting a crash course, which is brilliant. But um, 
Now, Danielle, I know you are close to submissions um, yep. at the moment, but when you open your list again, perhaps, you know, maybe 2019 uh, later in the year, mm-hmm. what would you like to see in your inbox in regards to middle grade? Oh, gosh. I always want to be surprised. So I almost don't want to say because I really don't know what I want. But, I mean, speaking in a kind of cynical way, looking at the market, um, I do appreciate that teachers and parents constantly tell me that they're looking for funny books for middle grade readers. They're constantly trying to edge their children out of reading the Andos and Andy Griffiths and Diary with Diary of a Wimpy Kid, which is yep. junior fiction. Um, <clears throat> and as they age up, they don't necessarily keep reading up because they kind of like those books that are funny. And then there's suddenly you go from junior fiction as all funny books and very boy orientated because it's yeah. still in this kind of feeling of, oh, we have to hook boy readers. If we don't hook them now, we'll lose them. Yeah, sure. And then middle grade tries really hard to appeal to absolutely everyone. And and it's it's still a little bit funny, but they get a little bit darker in themes. And then young adult literature is like the most depressing sometimes. Yes, uh, and of it's course. And an all-girl feel because they, they kind of assume by young adult literature, oh, we've lost the boys. We're just writing for girls now. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to see some funny middle grade that is still aged up and away from those junior fiction titles but enticing kids and saying hey it it was funny in junior fiction we can be funny in middle grade too sure but also easing them into slightly more bigger problems bigger issues realizing that the world is bigger than their backyard um yeah would be really good but I honestly don't I can't tell you the recipe that I'm looking for because I don't know until I read it yeah absolutely anything anything at all and um, as, you know, an author and agent um, relationship, we certainly found that there's just no rhyme or reason to it for what a nope. publisher will like. So No, nope, I've got no idea who has the secret recipe or the, the code that they're going to crack. I've got no idea what's happening out there. All I know is I can follow good stories and good authors and hope they get across the line. Yeah, you know? totally. And sometimes that doesn't even happen. And it's because <laughs> there's too many good authors and good, and good stories out there. And I will say in Australia especially, middle grade is really expanding in a way that I haven't seen in a long time yeah Um, we're seeming to recognize we've had a lot of American imports which is fair enough America does this readership very 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 well yep and if you want to get some great recommendations look up something called the Newbery Medal which is um, only for American authors so sadly international authors will never sweep those stakes yeah but they have some amazing titles out there but we are recognizing that we have a lot of American imports and it's getting to the point where teachers and parents are kind of saying oh this is a great book but it's very American what do we have that's an equivalent in Australia that's right um so we're starting to to fill that void a little bit which is really really great but it means we're we're probably getting to a bit of a bubble there's a lot coming out and there's a lot that just came out um so you just have to be very aware of that 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 if you're thinking that middle grade is, is hitting the big time, then you've got to know that other authors are thinking that too. And so are publishers. So it's just going sure. to become like a really crowded field. So the answer is do your research. Yes. Do your research. Read middle grade. I think you should always be reading the books that you're thinking that you're writing. Um, and this yep. is as much to know the competition and where the bar is set as it is to really familiarize yourself with the most important component, which is language. Yep. Always language. So, yeah, just be aware of that. Wow. Now, Danielle, I can't let you leave without giving us a few recommendations. And I know you could probably ramble on for a really long time. I could. About this. But what, in your opinion, are two middle grade books that every child should read? Oh, gosh. I really love Barry Johnsburg's My Life is an Alphabet. Oh, wow. Which is being adapted into the movie called H is for Happiness or H is right. for Happy. Um, 
you know, that, that's an odd one because it kind of came out right on the cusp of middle grade growing up in Australia. So it won a whole lot of older readers awards, cool. which positioned it as young adult, but it was actually middle grade. We just didn't really have the lexicon to call it that then. But yeah. I think if you go back and read it now, it is a bar none brilliant middle grade book from Australia. And then I guess Fantastic. my other favorite is probably Rebecca Stead's When You Reach Me, um, wow. which is a bit of a time slip, contemporary, just really beautiful novel and everything that Rebecca said writes, I absolutely fall in love with. So that would be my two picks. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Danielle, for joining us at Middle Grade Marvels. Thank you. And thank you for having really me. Look, we so look forward to reading your recommendations, but also just, I think, munching on your advice. So once again, thanks. Thank you so much for having me and Best of luck with the rest of the Mavens. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Welcome, Pamela, to Middle Grade Mavens. Hi, Julian. Thank you. How exciting. This is our very first episode today. Yay. Yay. So I guess we probably should give a little bit of insight into what on earth Middle Grade Mavens is. So... I will start because this was kind of my little um, dream job. I sort of thought, hey, I do a lot of reading of middle grade books. I think there might be some people out there that are interested. Um, Also an author. So maybe I'll um, do a little podcast or something. So I put it out to my author friends. And, of course, Pamela, my awesome author friend said yes jumped straight away (laughs) um, because she is also a middle grade maven reading lots of books so I guess I'd love to know um, I guess that our listeners would love to know a bit more about you Pamela. Thank you well yeah of course this sounds like a a fun thing to do I do read a lot of middle grade fiction Um, started out reading it for research because I like writing middle grade fiction but I also have two sons who are getting up to that level but I also just like write, reading it for fun it's you know there's some fantastic middle grade work out there um yes yeah. and it's just you know my life is already stressful enough without reading you know deep and dark adult fiction which I do now and again but you know I do like a middle grade book um and I do like reviewing books as well so, yeah. um, you know, when this opportunity came along, I thought, yes, fantastic. Let's um, jump on it. Yep. Yeah, let's do it. Well, I guess that's kind of where the maven started. So why don't we just get started? Sure thing. Okay, so Julie's going to start off today's book review. So Julie, tell us, what is the title of today's book? Well, I'm going to review The Secret of the Night Train by Sylvia Bishop, illustrated by Marco Guadalupe, which I am hopeful I have said his name correct. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one never knows. And I guess. So I'll, I guess I'll share the jacket blurb. So one small girl, an unexpected detective, a handful of sup- suspects, all aboard the night train where no one is as they seem. Max takes off on a thrilling journey across Europe by train. Can she unravel the mystery of priceless missing diamond and find a way to bring the jewel thief to justice? Oh, sounds very mysterious. Oh, I do love a good mystery. (laughs) What genre would you class this as? 
Well, obviously middle grade mystery in an international setting. Okay. Now, I think our readers need to know this from the start and they're going to find this out pretty quickly, that you don't like long, long books. So where does this fall in your your timeline or what do you call it, your measure of um, word counts? Well, I'd say this is around 50,000. It's 230 pages which is generally about my limit where I start to get jittery that a book <laughs> is too long. But, no, this was actually um, just spot on. The mystery was wonderful. And, yeah, I didn't feel like it was a long book at all. Oh, okay. So, so what drew you to choose this book in the beginning? Uh, the title page, hands down. Oh. The illustrations reminded me of Lemony Snicket's The Wrong Question series. Um, this really kitsch sort of illustrations and you know I just spot a book like that and you know I have to have it in my in my <laughs> library so judging a book by its cover I love it <laughs> yes every time it seems. Oh, so can you tell us a bit more about the book yes so 11 year old Max Million Morrill's great aunt Elodie who lives in Istanbul telephones to ask for someone to come and assist her while she's convalescing after surgery. Max lives in France and the journey would involve a trip on four trains through Munich, Bucharest, Budapest, then Istanbul. Max's family are all far too busy to go, so Max volunteers. Of course, she could not go alone on a train to Istanbul, so rather a, a rather quirky nun by the name of Sister Marguerite accompanies her. The moment they set off on the train, it's delayed due to a tip-off that the heartbreak diamond is being smuggled aboard the train. Ever the budding detective, Max begins taking notes on those on board in an attempt to gain a list of suspects. What ensues is a mad capped adventure where Max finds herself in mortal peril more ways than one would have thought possible for a small girl travelling on a train to visit her great-aunt. One thing's for certain, Max certainly doesn't arrive home the same person she left. She has to dig deep and keep her wits about her if she's going to solve the secret of the night train. Ooh, sounds a bit sort of murder on the Orient Express. Yes, (laughs) which I love. (laughs) Fantastic. And obviously you love this book. Look, I absolutely love this book. From the get-go, you are drawn into Max's adventures and with its quirky characters and intriguing mystery. Now, the narrator often drops in to offer little tidbits like the use of French words or the occasional outrageous backstory from a seemingly random character. Now, this would normally drive me mad. I cannot stand narrators dropping in with tidbits usually, which (laughs) is interesting. But the author did it so well um, with a hearty dose of humour. It just really added to the story. Now, the mystery itself was full of plot turns, which I did not see coming, Um, and which is amazing. I pride myself on being able to figure out a mystery before it's done. And there was just enough danger to make this an outrageous adventure, but not enough to to make me waggle my author's finger and shout, impossible. So the <laughs> ending was vastly satisfying. 
satisfying. And I did not want to put this book down. And, uh, well, obviously you loved it, but what age would you recommend this for? I would suspect children aged 10 plus will really enjoy this, especially those that like to read about foreign places and experience new and interesting sights and tastes. And do you think this would be one for reluctant readers or something for more confident readers? Oh, this would definitely suit confident readers with the upper word limit of 50,000, which I've said is my maximum tolerant for uh, middle grade. But the story moved along so wonderfully. It did not seem like a lengthy book. Sounds good. Sounds very good. Well, that is it from me. My very first review on middle grade Mavens. So, Pamela, tell us, what is the title of today's book? So, today I'm reviewing Fearless Frederick by Felice Arena. And the blurb of the back cover reads, When the river rises and the city of Paris underwater, Frederick decides to help those who can't help themselves. But as his heroic acts escalate, so does the danger. Frederick will have to battle an escaped zoo animal and fight off pickpockets and looters. But as the waters subside, can he find justice for his father and find out what courage really means? More. That sounds very interesting. And mm-hmm. and what would you class this genre as? Uh, it's a work of fiction and it's set around the Great Flood Paris in 1910. So I'd say it's historical fiction. Fiction meets drama. Yes. And what is the estimated word count? This is going to please you, Julie. Mm-hmm. It's quite a short book. Yes. <laughs> it's around the 25,000 mark. So it's a quick read, but it's a good one. Oh, fantastic. I know we're probably going to bang on about this, but I feel really um, passionate that, you know, kids really need to feel comfortable with a read. So when they look at a massive book and they just say, no way, I just feel like we're doing them an injustice. So when I hear about a book that's 25,000 words, I just, oh, my heart just sings. Yeah, I, I agree. Look, I've got, you know, two boys and both of them are, are readers, but, you know, we'll get scared away by a book that's too large. You know, when, growing up, I loved thick books, so I might not always agree with you when it comes to thick books, yes. but when it comes to my boys, you know, I know that, you know, something like this in particular is something that I can really get them with because it's, you know, it's look, it's not very thick. Yay. <laughs> yeah. So what drew you to this book? I didn't actually choose this book. It's not the sort of thing I would normally read. Um, the librarian at my kid's school asked my opinion of it and gave it to me, so I read it. Um, having never read anything by Felice Arena, I didn't know what to expect, but it drew me in right away. And I love historical fiction, so there, there was that aspect. Um, you know, even though it's not something I would have picked, that was something I loved about it. But I also found Felice's writing style really engaging from the outset. Oh, so Pamela's reading outside the box. Very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about it. Oh, look, there's so much to love about this book. Frederick is a typical young boy, full of self-doubt, wanting to please his parents but also go his own way. He's kind. He's hardworking. He's by robbers. His life is turned upside down. Then when the determination and a drive to as the book progresses. 
The setting, the setting is just done brilliantly. I love the small historically accurate details that help paint a picture of early 20th century France and the Great Flood. And, you know, Julie, it's funny that you mentioned in your review before that the book contains some French words because this one being set in Paris has a smattering of Yay. French too. So it's quite funny. Um, some of them are boxing terms, which, you know, completely <laughs> alien to me. I, you know, my French comes from ballet mostly. But um, anyway, I loved it. And most of the words are translated so as not to confuse the reader, but they, they really add to the setting and to Fantastic. the voice. So overall enjoyment. Uh, well, as I mentioned, this isn't the type of book I normally go for to read to myself, partly because it's quite thin, <laughs> but, but, um, but I really enjoyed it. And I thought Felice did a great job in pulling all the elements together. And I look forward to reading oh, more of his brilliant. work. A new fan has been made. Uh-huh. Yes. So who will love this book? Look, I think this book cleverly fills a gap in the market, particularly when it comes to boys. It's not humour, it's not sport, and it's not a great long fantasy novel, um, you know, for, for kids who just don't want that, those things. And it's fairly short, as I said, and it's well-paced. So I think it would be particularly great for ages around eight or nine up. Um, and I should mention that one of the main characters is a particularly spunky young girl and there are horses. So, you know, I think I would have loved this as a young girl, you know, you know, even if it, I hadn't have picked it, no, I probably would have Ticking some it. boxes for Pamela, fantastic. Absolutely. So do Absolutely. you think reluctant readers would be capable of grasping the concepts of this or more confident readers? Yeah, I think, I think the interest level and the short length would suit reluctant readers. And the concepts are not too advanced for younger, more confident readers. Um, it does involve the death of a parent and some pretty nasty thieves, which might not suit more sensitive readers. And the French terms might be a little off-putting to some, but they taper off as the book progresses. And so I think it's a fairly good oh, book brilliant. Well, I've only ever read um, Felice Arena's um, junior fiction, which is uh, like a sporty series. So this sounds very much yeah. more like like along his heart, you know, like doing something that really um, makes him zing. So I, I think I would, we'd love yeah. to get a copy of this. Yeah. Well, that is the first episode of Middle Grade Mavens and um, we are so excited you joined us. Thanks for dropping by Middle Grade Mavens. We're so excited you decided to jump on this journey with us. And that's not all. Stay tuned for our next episode where Pamela reviews Swallows Dance by Wendy Orr and Julie reviews Weird by Kate Whittle. And there might even be a sneaky author interview added in there. Now, if you would like to know more about the Mavens, log on to www.middlegradepodcast.com or to find Julie online, drop by www.julieangrassobooks.com. And to find Pamela, stop by www.uecker.net.